We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Jacob Albrocht, Tommy Kester. This is Sports Daily on Wichita's number one sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH. Happy Super Bowl appearance to Chiefs fans. Third time now in recent memory. The Chiefs will be headed to the big one. Super Bowl 57 in Glendale, Arizona, taking on the Philadelphia Eagles. What a game it was. Again, just sign these two teams up for the next little while playing in meaningful games because they never disappoint. Uh, Jake Balbrock, Tommy Caster with the reaction Monday for Chiefs fans, especially as we look back at that AFC championship game and what it took to get there. We could spend six hours on that game, Tommy. It was incredible. Um, A lot of juicy stuff, too, happening within it. Good morning. Jad Chambers producing for us. 869-1240, the number to call. You can reach out to us on social media as well. Tommy, you were there. Are your ear? Can you feel your ears yet? I can't feel my ears. My voice is a little shot, though. Uh, we got back into town at about 2 a.m., uh, so running on just a couple hours of sleep. But that's all right. I'm looking forward to it, Jack, to get into all of it, uh, break it down, talk about the Super Bowl matchup with the Chiefs and the Eagles in a couple of weeks. It's going to be a fun show. It's going to be awesome. Uh, it was. I, I, there's a lot of people feeling the uh, hangover, either literally or figuratively, from the festivities last night as the Chiefs get it done you know what it was a game there were a lot of times in that game let's be honest where we just thought the Bengals are going to do it again right and you know it was at its core it was what we thought it would be which was highly competitive and very tight Um, the Chiefs defense to me played by far their best game of the season in the biggest spot of the season And that was the difference in the game because with all the injuries and everything that happened that we'll get into, Tommy, it just felt at the end there like Cincinnati was going to march down the field, kick a field goal, and win that game. Like, you know, it just just seemed so daunting for the offense, as hobbled as it was, uh, figuratively, literally, whatever you want to say. And then they got it done. And it was because of big defensive plays that they got it done. Yeah, that was the coming out party for the Kansas City defense that we've been asking about and clamoring for for such a long time. And they came out with their hair on fire early in the game. I think they had, what, four sacks in the first half or five sacks in the first half. Chris Jones got his first playoff sack uh, early in that game, and Frank Clark joined him. George Karloftis had one. Uh, it was it was one of those games where they were able to get a lot of pressure on Joe Burrow, which you know we had wondered if that was going to be the game plan all along, and if it was going to be able to be the front four. Uh, 
and it was at times. It was also some really well-timed blitzes by Steve Spagnola uh, to get to Joe Burrow, but that was always a concern about you know how great of receivers the the Bengals have. And with Joe Burrow and his ability to get the ball out of his hands quickly, uh, if they were going to be able to throw a lot of blitzes at him and have any kind of success at it. So I thought those blitzes were mostly well-timed. Uh, and then when they were able to also get pressure with the front four, uh, that was incredible too. And because of the pressure and ju- you know just overall the, the fact that the Kansas City defense came out with their hair on fire. They were able to force a couple of turnovers on Joe Burrow as well. That was what we had been wanting to see from the defense for such a long time. And I I think that it's pretty obvious that there was a mentality inside that locker room that out of the four remaining teams in the playoffs coming into yesterday, the Chiefs probably had the worst defense on paper. And so I think that the fact that they were able to show that in a big-time situation, they could come out and they could get the job done, uh, it's just remarkable. And they're the reason, a huge reason, why the Chiefs won that game. Well, yeah, because the offense kept giving Cincinnati opportunities, whether it was a Mahomes fumble or not picking up first downs or three and outs. or And I'm not saying that the you know the offense had plenty to deal with, right? Like, this isn't like... I'm casting stones at the offense. They were down to nothing at wide receiver. Like it was, it was just a daunting task when you consider the two best players on the team were injured coming in. They played through it. They played pretty well. They played really well, in fact. Um, but the defense bailed them out and bailed them out. And it was time, right? The defense needed a game like that to bail the offense out a little bit after, you know, so many times when the offense felt like it needed to do that. And, you know, the defense is going to continue to get better over the years here because it is so young. At any time, I think the Chiefs have started significant playing time uh, with eight, uh, sorry, six rookies. And that's pretty crazy, too. And they got better. And let's not forget, too. I mean, this is what Steve Spagnuolo does. It's what he's always done. He comes up big in big games. I thought it was really interesting early. Uh, Tony Romo made, you know, a an observation and sort of a prediction that, he was willing to bet that Steve Spagnuolo intentionally, intentionally in the first meeting that they played didn't show a whole lot to Cincinnati, assuming that they would meet up in a bigger spot. That's chess, right? That's that's what the best of the best do. And we know that the Chiefs always do that kind of stuff offensively, right? We talk about that. Well, defensively, Steve Spagnuolo did the same thing. What, and look, I'm not a scout. I'm not smart enough to tell you about the stunts and the whatever on the on the defensive line, but it worked. And it was exactly what they needed in a game when they had to have it, and they stepped up. And look, if you don't believe that trash talk and all that stuff plays into it, I don't think you're paying attention to life. That kind of stuff motivates all of us, and it clearly motivated the Chiefs. I think it was awesome, by the way. I'm not, like, you know, casting stones at Cincinnati or anything like that because, I mean, my goodness, what more could you want going up to a game with that kind of hype. I loved every second of it. Loved the Cincinnati mayor. Loved all of it. Loved the backlash after the game and Travis Kelsey. And it just made for a much more entertaining experience for all of us. But that stuff matters. And, you know, you kind of had the feeling like, okay, if the Chiefs are going to get this win, it's going to have to be because of their defense. And, you know, maybe in the week we didn't start that way. But when you find out Kelsey's hurt, and very quickly some receivers go down and and you know the offensive game plan you kind of have to throw out the window I think we were right I think it was going to be a big Kadarius Tony game and he gets hurt um and they couldn't run the ball and 
Marquez Valdez-Scantling picked a really nice time to have his best game as a pro in the NFL. But Patrick Mahomes made some plays that are right up there with anything he's ever done. And, and I was glad to see it because we know how the narrative has shifted this year. And it's not surprising. I'm not blaming anybody. We, you know, you, we talk a lot about this league and the players in it. And, you know, you're constantly trying to find fresh things to talk about. And people sort of are, you know, are tired of Mahomes' greatness. But I think a lot of people watch that game and they're like, oh, my God, like he, he's still the best. You know, all, all the chatter, but some of the plays you make there, he, he is the best. And he has been the best. And it's okay for that to be so. Because some of these other young guys are going to, you know, get right up there with him. But those plays, that throw to Marquez Valdez-Scantling on a bad ankle, off of that leg, in the window that he threw it, those are the kinds of things I think sometimes we take for granted that just don't happen for anybody else. And Joe Burrow made a lot of those plays, too. Put two jump balls in perfect position for his guys. Was laughing at that ball that hit, was it T. Higgins in the helmet? Like, yeah. <laughs> just like on a 40-yard throw, like... The placement of those balls. We saw two great young quarterbacks. The Chiefs defense made a couple big plays on Burrow. He didn't have the time he needed. It finally affected him. And, you know, the noise, arrowhead, not Burrowhead, was obviously a factor, not just for the players, but apparently the officials. Thank God that didn't end up mattering much in the outcome of that game. My goodness. That would have been that would have been such an awful storyline to have to get through today on the extra third down and all that stuff. But, um, but we didn't. It didn't matter, thankfully, and the Chiefs got the win anyway. What did you think of the last call on the on the run and out of bounds? I thought, although it was a brutally tough call to have to make, it was the right call. And I feel so terrible for Joseph Asai for their season to end that way. But it was the right call. He did shove him. And you just can't do that. You got to have game awareness. You knew he was going out of bounds. There was no chance he was going to try and get up the field. That is a, I mean, just an agonizing way to end a season if you're the Bengals. Yeah, that was 1,000% the right call. And I know that any referee in the league doesn't want to have to make that call at that crucial moment in a, in a game with so much on the line, but that's absolutely the correct call. Uh, so we were in the end zone. We were sitting in the end zone uh, and right down the, the uh, actually the Bengals sideline uh, where that play happened. And so I had a, a clear view on it and, you know, of course the replays confirmed it, but even in real time, uh, Mahomes was like two or three steps out of bounds when that hit came in. And, and so it was clearly the right call. There were other calls that were questionable. And you know what? To be honest, there were questionable calls on both sides. I do think that Kansas City got a friendly whistle a couple of different times uh, in that game. But there were, you know, fans on both sides were, at least in the stadium, were cussing out the refs. I mean, it was just, you know, one of those games where uh, so much is on the line and it's heated and, and, and all of that. Um, but I am glad that, you know, like you mentioned, that that phantom third down play uh, didn't ultimately come back to determine the, the, the outcome uh, because that would have been a different kind of storyline, a different kind of narrative this morning. But going back to what you were mentioning about Patrick Mahomes, I actually thought that his line with his stat line looks better 
than what the way he actually played. And I think that he was limited. I think he was in pain. Uh, I saw him limping around in the second half, in the third quarter. Um, you know, clearly not 100%. He had some some key throws when he needed it, for sure. Uh, you mentioned that touchdown pass to MVS. MVS was actually his third read on that play. I mean, he went, I think he went to Kelsey first, and then, you know, and, and it was just happened to be MVS, and he was able to, stay alive long enough to be able to fit that ball into a tight window and get the touchdown for MBS. But there were clearly plays, and I think that some of it was the limitations of Mahomes and the injury. I think some of it is just due to Lou Anarumo, the, the defensive coordinator for Cincinnati, scheming up really well, where there were a ton of dump-off passes, especially late in the game, where the Chiefs had a really hard time moving the ball down the field, throwing the ball down the field, past the sticks. Uh, that that was a challenge late in the game. I thought that the Bengals adjusted really well in the second half uh, and really eliminated a lot of those opportunities for Patrick Mahomes to be able to throw the ball downfield. I thought that Cincinnati would have blitzed him more and made him more uncomfortable in the pocket than they did. Uh, that wasn't ultimately their strategy. I think their strategy was to try to take away the receivers downfield and, and make Mahomes dump it off to guys like Pacheco and McKinnon. Pacheco caught more passes in the past game than I was expecting him to do. I think he finished with five catches and, and 59 yards. I think he had a couple more targets. Like Mahomes was really targeting the, the guys out of the backfield. That was about the only way in that second half that they were able to make anything happen. Well, yeah, they had to, right? Like the, when, you, when you're down to, you know, Marcus Kemp, and Sky Moore and and just guys that hadn't had a lot of time on the field, throwing to your backs makes a lot of sense. By the way, really good to know that Isaiah Pacheco has that in the arsenal. Sure. Right? Catching five passes out of six targets, uh, that really increases, I think, his chances of being, you know, a long term piece on this. And just and one hey, of by many- the way. Also, they could not run the ball at all with Pacheco or oh, McKinnon. No. I mean, the Bengals did no. a great job of bottling up the run. And, I, you know, there were a, a majority of drives. And I was going to go back and look at this, you know, I, I will later today. But the number of drives that Kansas City started with the run, which we had all said, and I had said it on the show, they needed to establish the run. They needed to get the run game going. But they started off a drive first and 10 with a run up the gut or whatever that they would get a yard two yards and there were a majority of drives where you were looking at a second and long and then you maybe had an incomplete pass and all of a sudden it's a third and long so that was a challenge too for Kansas City it was nice to see Pacheco and McKinnon though be able to contribute in catching the football and dump off passes from Mahomes yeah it it was well it was a critical part of the game critical part of the offense and the offense really stalled right like it yeah you know they got they got their they got their 10 points in the second half but it, it wasn't and and again you got it. Like the injuries are just incredible, but it, you just in totality, the fact that they won that game against that team is it's wild to think about because of everything that goes into it. Cincinnati played pretty well defensively. Mahomes on you know a bad ankle. And Kelsey with a bad back. And, I, you know, you couldn't visibly see it really affect Kelsey as much as you could see it affect Mahomes, especially in the second half. But to lose that many weapons and still somehow they figure out a way to get it done. There was a play in the Eagles uh, game early. The execution of the Devontae Smith catch, which was a no catch, 
for him to get up, clearly communicate to his coach, I didn't catch the ball for them to get to the line, spike it, and not allow the 49ers to challenge is next-level execution. The Chiefs are constantly next-level executing, and I thought that entire game was next-level execution on both sides of the ball. They had to basically play it perfect, and you know, as much as they could considering the hand they were dealt, they did. You know, you had the Mahomes fumble, and that was, to me, like, I'm having a hard time remembering any other just absolutely glaring mistakes. A lot of people were talking about that uh, pass interference call on on Hayden Hurst where, uh, I don't even remember who it was, got there too early. And I thought, like, no, he was going to catch that ball anyway. Like, that was the appropriate risk because the penalty put him where they were at least going to be. Like, even just little stuff like that, even when they were mistakes, they were the mistakes in the right spot and for the right reasons. And... You know, that's the kind of stuff that puts them in the spot. Tommy, they had like 10 rookies starting in that game, most ever. This is the rebuild year. Their defense will be better next year than it was this year, almost certainly. And this was the year the offense was going to take a step back. And, And the offense took a step back in explosiveness, but not effectiveness. And they got it done. And we're going to talk a whole lot more about it. 869-1240. Chiefs fans chime in. we got a lot to get through in this game. We'll take the specifics of it. As we move forward, sort of look ahead to the Super Bowl, although we've got two weeks to do that. It was a big college basketball weekend. Great weekend for the Sunflower State. We'll get through those outcomes as well. Your calls, Jack Chambers producing. It's Sports Daily. We're just getting warmed up. The Chiefs are AFC champions again. And we'll celebrate in some ways for you, Chiefs fans, but we'll talk all about it as we make our way through this Monday on Sports Daily. Attention BetMGM customers have a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Here's a chance for both of you to earn a $50 bonus when they sign up through BetMGM's Refer-A-Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account and click on the Refer-A-Friend program to send your friend a message inviting them to register a new account in the same state you use BetMGM in. Once your friend signs up and makes a deposit, they'll receive a $50 bonus. And once your friend places a bet with their bonus and the wager's settled, you'll receive a $50 bonus as well. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. 21 years of age or older to wager. Kansas only. All promotions are subject to qualification and eligibility requirements. Rewards issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets. Bonus bets expire in 30 days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. BetMGM Sports in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Uh, Tommy. I didn't know this storyline. Of all the great storylines for Chiefs-Eagles, A.J. Brown and Willie Gay apparently were high school teammates, won a state championship together back in high school, so that's kind of cool. We were talking about the rookies. Uh, Matt McMullen puts this out this morning. Here's Here's the rookies in the AFC title game for the Chiefs. Isaiah Pacheco at 85 yards from scrimmage. Jalen Watson broke up two passes and had a pick. Joshua Williams had a pick. Trent McDuffie broke up a couple of passes. George Karloftis had a sack. Brian Cook had a pass breakup that created the Williams interception. And Sky Moore had the big special teams play as he sort of stepped in. And, and you know, what I loved about Sky Moore, and you know I like him, was that he seemed very confident in a moment they had to have somebody step up. And he just kept, you could see him like, get me the ball, get me the ball, get me the ball. And it was fitting that it was a punt return uh, that he had his biggest impact. But those rookies... And I don't know that these are all long-term players, 
But in that spot, they all stepped up big. And what's amazing about the rebuild season, and it was in a lot of ways a rebuild season. We knew they had to rebuild the defense, but most of those guys will contribute. And remember, Gay, Sneed, two critical players left the game with injury. The the young guys stepped up. What I kept thinking of after the game last night, after the dust settled, is there's almost no way if everyone's healthy that the Chiefs are not a better team next year than they were this year. Just assuming, you know, an offseason to get things figured out. They obviously have a big question to answer at left tackle. They're going to have to get a receiver in there in some capacity and then do their thing in the draft. But, I mean, there's it's really hard to imagine the Chiefs aren't a better team next year than they were this year, just holistically. And that's pretty wild to think about when this was the rebuild year. Well, how about the evaluation and and the draft of Brett Veach and, and the scouts and Andy Reid and the entire group in bringing in these guys as unproven and untested rookies and the impact that they've made throughout the regular season. And then of course, when it mattered most last night, you mentioned sky Moore, and there's been a lot of discussion about how great the defense played. Um, you know, some of the critical throws that Patrick Mahomes made, but special teams has been a major issue all season for Kansas city. And they were flawless last night. Had to uh, be. Dave Tobe. They had to be Dave Tobe. Uh, embattled for quite a bit of the year. Harrison Butker struggled, missed extra points, missed field goals. You wondered if he, you know, had been fully healthy for most of the year. Sky Moore muffing punts, taken away from that position as soon as they brought in Kadarius Tony. And when it mattered most, all of those guys stepped up and played a, a great game. The unit as a whole uh was was outstanding. And when when Sky Moore went out there, that final uh, punt return, and I realized that it was him, and you know, obviously Kadarius Tony had gone down with the injury in that big of a spot. Yeah, I was a little bit nervous. My first thought was, man, there's no guarantee that he's going to be able to hold on to the ball, uh, and it was more out of necessity than it was, you know, anything else having him back there. And he responded by not only hauling it in clean but coming up with a big-time return to set the Chiefs up with good field position with not a whole lot of time left on the clock. And so credit goes out to the special teams for Kansas City. Um, yeah, of course, you're going to talk about all the sacks and the pressures on Joe Burrow and the defense coming to play and all of that, but special teams, when they needed it and after they had struggled for most of the season, uh, that was that was so incredible to see. Oh Yeah, and no doubt about it. They had to have it. And it, it was it was perfect. You know, all things considered, did they play perfect? No, but the timing was perfect for them to step up and have their biggest game, special teams and defense. Um, in a game, the offense needed a lift. And what's what always gets me too? Didn't it feel like the offense was having an off night? Did it, it felt that way to me? Like just watching yeah. the game, I was like, the offense they had 350 yards of offense. That's yeah. an off night. Mahomes had one of his better games of the year when he's an MVP. And, and I looked that up is... on the big board, and you know, I I wasn't obviously paying attention to the stat lines or anything during the game. And at one point in the, I think it was in the early in the fourth quarter, and I looked up at the big board, and they had total yards and all of that. And I'm like, 
where the hell did Kansas City get 300 plus yards offensively? It didn't seem like they were able early. to do a whole lot. And it, that's really, that's honestly what it was. I mean, half of it, I think, came in the first quarter, right? They had yeah. about 150 or something yards in the first quarter. And credit to Cincinnati, they, they could, the Chiefs could not capitalize on moving the ball early, and they had to settle for field goals. Obviously a different game if they're not settling for field goals. But that's, you know, that's a part of what Cincinnati does, right? Cincinnati is, is good like that. Um, and then they really stalled, and that's when everybody else stepped up. But it it is, you know, one of those games that, I you know, of all these AFC championship games, I think, and it'll depend largely on what happens, right, in the next game that they play. But it's an imp- as impressive a performance with the outliers as we've seen of the of the Mahomes Reed version of the Chiefs. Travis Kelsey was phenomenal. Travis Kelsey is the Kansas City Chiefs, and on the other side of the ball, Chris Jones is the Kansas City Chiefs, and he had such an impact. It it's he he gets the respect now. I think that he rightfully deserves. And I understand why he didn't before, because Aaron Donald is one of one and a freak and, and you know, plays at a level we've never seen before. But if Aaron Donald wasn't doing that, I mean, Chris Jones not only is the best at his position, he's one of the best all time at his position. And it's a hard position because it's not always a position that dominates the highlight reel until Aaron Donald came along. But I'm trying to think back to, like, defensive tackles over the years, like true game-wrecking defensive tackles, right? Obviously, we see Aaron Donald do it now. Warren Sapp did it for a while. I mean, we've seen guys do it and in spurts. Bryant Young was really good. Uh, it's, it's going to get to the conversation that I think, and we I think we said this last week, it's re- what's re- really amazing about this team is they have guys in the conversation to be the best tight end of all time, the best quarterback of all time, not there yet, obviously, and the best defensive tackle of all time. Now, he Chris Jones isn't going to get that because Aaron Donald will always, I think, be that in a lot of people's minds. But he's so close, and if he's the next best guy, like his impact on every dadgum game, even when he's not. Now, he sacked the quarterback yesterday, but just the way he pushes the line, I got messages from non-Chiefs fans last night as we all just sort of observed the game. I'm like, my God, Chris Jones is the MVP of this game. I just want to be like, guys, Chris Jones is the MVP of most games that he plays in. Like, he is as impactful a defensive player in the league as, as there is. Like, he, he, he just is. He's as impactful as any of the big-time pass rushers because he impacts it on more than just pass plays, right? He impacts every single snap. When he does that, and he was as good yesterday as he's ever been, and he wrecked the game for Cincinnati on just about every every snap he was in there. It was wild to see. Yeah, and and you know I'm thinking of trying to think of other defensive tackles that have impacted the game, you know, at a level like that. I think of Indomitian Sue when he was at his prime. You know, he was up. Chris there Jones is games. better than Indomitian Sue. I, I think like so too, but I think so too. But at that time, I mean, you know, he I, he was. At probably the best defensive tackle in the league for a couple of years, you know, when he he's still playing and he's with the Eagles, they're going to be in the Super Bowl. Um, you know, but I, I think of him, um, how about, you know, Refrigerator Perry, you know, back in the day, like th- there are some big time defensive tackles that are household names, um, 
you know, o- over the years, but you're right. I mean, with just the way that, and what I love about Chris Jones is that he's, he's a big guy, but he's not massive, but the strength is there. And well, he's the, built, the yeah, agility, he's born the Aaron the Donald agility, mold, right. right? The agility is there. The, 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 the way that you're able to, you know, make moves to, to get offensive linemen out of your way and to pick up blocks and to be able to, you know, still get around it and get to the quarterback. Uh, it, it's, it's honestly, it's Chris Jones and it's Aaron Donald and, and Kansas city, I think for the first couple of years that they had Chris Jones, they knew they had someone really good, but I don't know if really anybody knew at the time how special he would be. And really for Chris Jones, the big monkey that he needed off of his back was getting a playoff sack, and he got two of them last night. And so that, I think that that unleashes him a little bit to where he doesn't have to worry about that pressure anymore, about you've been to the playoffs for all of these years and you never had a sack in the playoff game, and he got two on Joe Burrow last night. That's big time. Uh, and, you know, you mentioned Patrick Mahomes, and, and what I think is so interesting is, you know, going back to his stat line of 29 of 43 326, two touchdowns, and, and no picks. If you just looked at that stat, stat line by itself and you didn't watch the game, you'd be like, man, that's a really solid performance by Patrick Mahomes. But like we talked about in the last segment, I think he was still limited some. And, and to, in my mind, I'm not sure that there is, and there wasn't before going into this game, but there's no doubt, especially, he's the MVP. He's the MVP of the league to be able to put up those stats on a night where the offense was off, on a night where they were dealing with injuries, his own ankle injury, the back with Travis Kelsey, his receivers are dropping like flies, Tony's out, Juju's out, uh, and they bring in guys like Marcus Kemp, McCole Hardman goes out late in the game, and he, he's still able to put up those stats, and the team wins on a bum ankle. Uh, there's no doubt in my mind, he's he's got to be the unanimous MVP. Look, who who are the and I'm just gonna pull up a list here for in all in. We, I love hyperbole after games like this because it it's fresh in our minds, and you know I, I I think and I'm just gonna include guys Tommy that probably you and I either watched play or have seen a lot of like highlights of. Mean Joe Green was a defensive tackle, okay. Uh, Bob Lilly for Cowboys fans uh, know him well. John Randall. I, I forgot that John Randall yeah. was a defensive tackle because he was such an impactful pass rusher. Cortez Kennedy, certainly, for the Seahawks for all those years, was a guy we think about. Randy White, I think most people know about. Warren Sapp is probably the one that comes to mind the most for me. Casey Hampton's been in the conversation for a long time. But then Aaron Donald, of course, probably elevates over all those guys. Chris Jones is right there with those guys, I think. And he's doing it now long enough. And he'll have a few more years that he needs to do it to to really enter that conversation. But the trajectory he's at certainly puts him in the conversation, I think, with any of those guys. Uh, the other thing about him, and, and Aaron Donald has faced some of this, and it's been why they've been so impactful. A lot of the guys I just named off were part of just incredible defenses, right? Chris Jones, has Chris Jones ever been part of an incredible defense? No. No. And... And all that means is that teams are so focused in on him, and it and he still has that kind of impact. It's very similar to Travis Kelsey on the other side of the ball. Everybody knows you got to stop Travis Kelsey, but nobody can. Everybody knows you got to stop Chris Jones, 
but nobody can. That's a part of the greatness, too. Yeah, look, I've been arguing for a while. I've said it on this show that Chris Jones, in my mind, should be the defensive player of the year in the NFL. Nothing against Nick Bosa. What Nick Bosa has done is great, but Chris Jones is the most valuable player right. on a defense because of the the pieces around him. Nick Bosa has an elite-level defense around him, and it's difficult for teams uh, to be able to game plan around that defense uh, just because of the fact that there are so many weapons defensively. The Niners have the best defense in the NFL, and I know we're going to talk about them later in the show, but we already discussed the, the rookies on that defensive unit and how they've been at times much maligned this season. Chris Jones is the most valuable player to a, a defense in the league because without him, that Chiefs defense would would not be good whatsoever. And so I, I would argue, and I've argued it for a while, he should be the defensive player of the year. He won't. He won't be. They'll, they'll take Bosa. Right. And I understand it. But in my mind, he should be the defensive player of the year. Well, it's apples and oranges, too. They do different things that, yeah, it's it's a hard comparison to make. But we we know that, you know, the sack totals and all those things will matter, and it'll be Bosa, and that's fine. Um, Chris Jones is entering people's world, though, and, and it's going to continue. If the defense continues to improve over the years and Chris Jones plays at this level, then more people are going to notice it. It's hard to be in that conversation when you've been on a defense that isn't very good for a while, but, man, they picked a good time to play their best game. Let's let's in our next segment, let's talk about that NFC championship game. So we'll go through that and then we'll sort of set ourselves up for that Super Bowl matchup. We'll get to some of the college basketball as well from over the weekend because it was a great weekend for all of KUK State and Wichita State. 869-1240 is the number for your Chiefs thoughts. Chiefs fans, get with us. 869-1240. We're coming right back on Sports Daily. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Welcome back, everybody. Sports Daily on KFH. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor, looking back at a big Chiefs championship game. Uh... Tommy, interesting in the other game. San Francisco, Brock Purdy gets hurt early. Josh Johnson comes in. Yeah, that Josh Johnson 
Uh, you got to a point where nobody could throw the ball for San Francisco, and Philadelphia skates in pretty easily. And I don't want to take anything away from Philadelphia because they still ended up with 31 points on the best defensive football. Not an overwhelming offensive performance. They only had 269 yards in the game, but they got it done. Four rushing touchdowns. Uh, San Francisco, when those injuries happened, I mean, it was just like, the, you know, it's a foregone conclusion. The Chiefs open as favorites there. Philadelphia takes over that favorite, and we'll talk about that matchup in the next hour. But just in that game, we sit here, and, and I, I, I must have a bias here because Philadelphia just doesn't feel like they're as good as these outcomes have been to me. And look, I, I think that they are as well coached and execute as as well as any team in football. I think they're both, you know, offensive and defensive lines are really, really good. And that stuff matters a lot. And they have big time playmakers and all those things. But here they are, big winners again. And I don't want to make excuses to why they keep winning big. I, I think at some point it's just that they're really, really, really good. They were the one seed. They did it all year. They had some bad losses, but they also had injuries in those games. Philadelphia's been as impressive, really, on their run to this spot as any team recently has been in their run to a Super Bowl. Why do they have to continue to prove themselves? I don't know. I don't I've know. Probably because this... I hate them. I mean, probably. I'm telling you, it's got to be just that I hate them so much. Like, I've been saying it since, like, week four. Like, well, they're winning football games. The the only games that they didn't win that they looked poor in, uh, for the most part, were the games that Jalen Hurts was injured and, and Gardner Minshew started at quarterback. Uh, they have won by, what, more than 20 points in both of their playoff games. Uh, I, I heard earlier today that the last team to do that in the playoffs, the 49ers in, like, 1989, uh, they're running over their opponents in the playoffs. That's that's what they're doing. And they've got great line play, like you mentioned. They have a really good defense. They've brought in a ton of veterans on the defense. And, and part of their issue earlier in the year was being able to stop the run. Uh, but they brought in some some veterans like Linval Joseph and, and Dominican Sue, and, and they've got some other guys uh, that have been around for a while, uh, Fletcher Cox, that they know how to play in those big games. And that's really helped improve their defense significantly. And then they're just methodical on offense. They've got that three-headed, or I guess it'd be even a four-headed monster running the football in Miles Sanders, in Kenneth Gainwell, Boston Scott. And then you throw in, oh, Jalen Hurts. He's going to run the football too. They are methodical. And then their wide receiving core is legitimate. It, when, when you've got Devontae Smith and A.J. Brown, and then you add in Quez Watkins. Dallas Goddard is one of the better tight ends in the league. Like, they are a complete football team. They're the best team in the NFC, bar none. Uh, I don't know why everybody has doubted them, why they have to continue to prove themselves week in and week out. They are absolutely deserving to be in the Super Bowl. Well, oh, for sure they are. I'm just trying to figure out where the doubt comes from. Um, Jalen Hurts didn't have to do much yesterday. He wasn't great, but it didn't need to be. He was really good against uh, the, the the Giants and efficient. Um, but I, I think a part of it is that they played a, a pretty soft schedule, but so did the Chiefs, and we don't hold that against the Chiefs, right? Uh, but down the stretch, you know, they played 
Way too get close a game against Chicago. They had a loss against Washington at one point in the year. They beat Indianapolis by just a point. And, and all teams go through that. Arizona was only a three-point win. I don't know what it is. And it maybe it is just me. And, I, and I'm not necessarily there. Kansas anymore, City I went think, through that. I, totally. But, but and, and we've also, I think we get, I think Kansas City gets the benefit of the doubt in, to some degree because we've seen them so much now. Five straight AFC championship games. But I, I think that they probably are just really good at executing, which allows them to win games in which they play poorly. Kansas City's really good at that, too. I'm not there anymore with them. Obviously, they deserve to be here. Uh, I think they're just so good in the trenches. That's what makes it a little harder. And they have playmakers. But, you know, we'll we'll talk about the matchup specifically in the next segment. But in that game against the Niners and in the game against the Giants, neither of those teams had any shot. It felt like after about, I don't know, the first half of the first quarter Here's what I will say about Philadelphia, and and this is, you know, Nick Sirianni, I guess, gets the credit here. I'm not sure there is a better team at executing what they need to do in the NFL right now than Philadelphia. They just do what they need to do, and they don't make mistakes, and, and they, you know, they are just— Sometimes it feels like the whole playing chess when the other team's playing checkers thing, right? And and they had a couple of those moments against Kyle Shanahan, and who's who's right up there with anybody yesterday. Philadelphia's impressive. Um, that was an impressive win. It was a win that doesn't show us a lot because San Francisco was never going to win that game without a quarterback, right? And and that's what man, you got to be, you just got to be deflated if you're a Niners fan. By the way, I totally think Tom Brady's going to go to the Niners now, but. Uh, you know, it's it's it was a boring game, but the Eagles have played a lot of boring games. And for a lot of the time, it's boring because they just whooped up on somebody. I feel bad for the 49ers. Uh, I wanted to see Brock Purdy in that moment, and I, I didn't think that they were going to win. But I wanted to see the rookie stepping up against, you know, perennial MVP candidates uh, and being that fourth quarterback in, in the championship rounds. Uh, having some success, and of course, he went down with that injury. Hassan Reddick, by the way, for the Eagles was phenomenal. He was so good. Uh, just was a, a game wrecker throughout the entire game. Uh, so I do feel bad for the 49ers, but the Eagles are are by far the best team in the conference. And it's going to be, in two weeks, a heavyweight matchup. And I'm looking forward to previewing it with the Chiefs and the Eagles. Man, I can't wait. Yeah, let's let's talk about our early thoughts on that matchup because it's going to take some time to get through it. Most notably because we got to get the injury report, but just some early thoughts as we have lines and everything else. We'll take a look at that game when we come back. We'll also get into college basketball in our next hour. Uh, we'll do it all. Take you back through what a what a Sunday it was for Chiefs fans. Hope everybody is not too groggy this morning. Eight six nine twelve forty. We're coming back. Hour number two of Sports Daily next. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.